0: Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now, here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. The last time I was privileged to minister, we talked about the widow woman in Luke chapter 18 who continually went before the ungodly judge asking for that thing that she needed. She needed relief from her enemy and she continually. Badgered the ungodly judge until she got what she wanted. And Jesus used this parable to show us that we should always pray and that we should never give up. Now, there are all kinds of teachings about when God answers those prayers. We know how to name, we know how to claim, we know how to expect, we know how to receive. We've heard five ways to get blessed, ten steps to end up on top, three keys to be an overcomer, and then, of course, we've all heard seven ways to get out of debt or more. There are all kinds of messages and self-help books that will guide you through the process of getting what you want, but. There is not much said about about what to do when life does not give you what you want. And so today to continue this thought on prayer, I want you to understand that you don't have to lose your faith just because God didn't say yes to what you requested him to do. You don't have to have a nervous breakdown. You don't have to throw a pity party or even walk away from the church just because you didn't get that job or you didn't get the house or you didn't get the healing that you so desperately wanted from the Lord. Now, the fact is we are a lot of teaching on faith, but really the fact is we don't need faith to lead us when everything is falling into place. We need faith to sustain us. When all hell is breaking loose. You know how it is. You look at your Bible in one hand, you look at your life in the other hand, and you say, Lord, hey, you know what I'm going through, and what I'm going through is not lining up with what the book says. You see, that's where we need teaching. You don't need to tell me how to act when I get healed. I need you to teach me how to survive when I don't get healed. I don't need advice on how to shout when I get that new car or get that new job or Starla gets a new pair of shoes. She's got that covered. I know how to be happy when things go right. But teach me how to be happy when all hell is breaking loose and things are getting worse instead of better. Teach me how to handle life when God says no. Do I have your attention? Turn with me to Second Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 12. And to show you what a Bible scholar I am, Second Corinthians is right after First Corinthians. We're going to begin in verse 7. The Apostle Paul speaking. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect. During those times when we feel like giving up. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, the Apostle Paul begins this chapter, he begins chapter 12 talking about the depth of the revelation that he has received from the Lord. But then he transitions, and he invites us into an intimate moment of personal transparency. Now, have you ever met those people who just do things in a big way? When they're right, they are really right. When they win big, they win really big. Kind of like Starla does when she goes shopping. Whoo, home run. Well, the Apostle Paul did everything big. When he was persecuting Christians, he persecuted them really well. But when he was converted and turned his life around, God set him aside and used him in a supernatural way. God brought Paul to a level of influence that is unsurpassed with the exception of Jesus Christ himself by any other in the New Testament. His accomplishments stand head and shoulders above the rest of the apostles while having less experience with Jesus than any of the original 12. And so Paul had that kind of greatness. I mean, Paul had such revelation and had seen such things in the Spirit that he said in verse 4 that they were not lawful for a man to utter. Now, when people know That you are gifted. They may be mesmerized by your gift, but they never understand that behind every gift there's a price to be paid. You may want to play basketball like Michael Jordan, but are you willing to practice like Michael Jordan? I mean, people have said to me, man, Mike, I'd sure like to be in your shoes. And I tell them the same response every time. Have you met my sister? And I want you to know it's not just me and Michael Jordan. There are people right now who look at your life and they fantasize, I wish I had what she has. I wish I had his opportunity. But you see, friend, we need to be careful for what we ask because while we see the outer display of their gift, we cannot see the inner pains that go along with being who they are. I mean, look at the person next to you. Don't they look great? Look at them. Don't they look great? Now, see, I put you in a predicament. Because either you have to lie or nod. Isn't it funny how different our house looks from the driveway than it does from the hallway? Great curb appeal doesn't always equate to spotless floors, does it? And so Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure with the things that went right, God balanced me with the things that went wrong. He says, lest I get the big head because of who they say I am, God deflated me with who I am. Friend, listen, reality is staying balanced between who they say you are and who you really are because your resume does not tell the whole story. Life is your ideals balanced against your reality, your strengths balanced against your weaknesses, your triumphs balanced against your tragedies. Everyone has them. No one escapes. Listen, don't let rich folk fool you, because in some area of their life, they are impoverished. Don't let poor people fool you in the midst of their lack, because if you'll get to know them, you will find that the poorest among us has a wealth that cannot be tabulated in a bank account or a 401K. Life levels the playing field. I mean if you have deep spirit if you have deep spiritual revelation if you have an IQ that's off the chart there is always going to be something that balances it out I mean it's a fact my sister is a genius but I'm just saying Now if you'll notice my sister usually sits right over here next to Carol And you'll notice that seat is strangely vacant. And so she's not here today. And so if she's not here today, all holes are off. And I am making sure this is being recorded, and I'm going to send it to her. Friend, the fact is you are going to be victorious about this and you're going to be victimized about that. Every victor is a victim in some area of their life and every victim is a victor in some area of their life. Now they may not tell you about it. They may not broadcast about it. But you need to understand life is a card game and we win some hands and we lose some hands. So the apostle Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure, God sent a messenger from Satan to buffet me. Not buffet, buffet. I read that when I was a kid. God sent a messenger from Satan to buffet me. They, they, they were going through the line at Luby's? I mean, what? I know, I know. You're thinking buffet because you're wishing I'll shut up so you can go find one. Buffet. The word buffet in Greek is to punch with strong punches. My sister's idea of fun when we were kids. But have you ever been blessed in some area of your life, but before you could enjoy that success, you got buffeted in some other area of your life? It may or may not be seen. It may or may not be acknowledged. But somewhere in your life, you are being punched in your gut. And let me venture out and say there might be someone here today, and it might be you, that is being punched in your gut right now. why the attack of people can be so overwhelming and hurtful to your heart because you can understand, you cannot understand how people can assault you when you know the pain and the agony of what goes on behind the scenes in your life while you're being punched. A thorn in the flesh to buffet me, Paul says. Now, There's been a big debate about what this thing was that Paul went through. There's been all kinds of conjecture. There's been all kinds of speculations. And the sages of the ages have debated about what the thorn was in Paul's flesh. Now, I mentioned earlier that I am a Bible scholar. And so I am going to demystify any concern that you might have as to what that thing was. I'm going to tell you something that you have probably never heard heard before, what that thorn in the flesh that Paul had was. Are you ready? He had a sister. That's just as plausible as any other explanation as to what it was. Because the fact is, folks, we do not know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Now, I know you thought I was going to say something intellectual and profound, but those of you that know me know that that's not possible. No one knows for sure, but I think that God left it cloudy for a reason. And that reason is so you and I can fill in whatever we need so that each of us can recognize that we all have something different that punches us, that balances us, that makes us pray and groan out in the middle of the night. I mean, you know that thing that makes us cry out, Lord, I can't take this anymore. It's too much for me. Someone may say, I may have all this stuff, but I have no peace. Someone else will say, I have all this peace, but I ain't got no stuff. Is anyone feeling me today? And Paul says, this thing that assaulted my soul, this thing that has punched me in the gut, has balanced whatever accomplishments that I've had. And it has brought me down to a place of humility. Now, we don't know what it was, but we do know how he felt about it. Because Paul pleaded with the Lord three times. Three times. It was painful, it was humiliating. Friend, I'm trying to get you to understand how life balances itself. And how no one gets everything they want. And no one is exempt from pain. I'm trying to make you understand that God is just. And no one is going to get through this life without using the tear ducts he created you with. Friend, you will not go through life unscarred no matter how rich you are or how beautiful you are. You can have more degrees than a thermometer, but somewhere in your life, there's going to be something punching you in the gut that drops you to your knees where you say, hey, I can speak Greek, I can speak Hebrew, but I don't know how to talk to my own kid, and I don't know what to do. There will always be something that escapes your grasp, that humbles you and takes all the air out of your balloon. It was for this that Paul prayed. And you must understand the power of this prayer. The power of this prayer is built on the enormity of the burden that he carries. And he just doesn't pray once. He prays three times about this thing that has overwhelmed What is overwhelming you today? Oh, I'm not talking about what you just don't manage well. I don't want to talk about what you were whining about driving to church today. I don't want to talk about yesterday when you stubbed your big toe. I don't want to talk about the areas where you've overcome. But we need to talk about those areas where we are overwhelmed, where we say, I cannot take this anymore. Think about that thing that overwhelms you, that thing that rocks your world, that situation that gets on your last nerve, that circumstance that's about to take you out. I can imagine the apostle saying, God, I'm out here working for you. I have the responsibility of writing most of the New Testament. God, I've gone to jail for you. Lord, you've given me the faith to lay hands on the dead and they get up. So, Lord, I'm asking you this one personal favor. Lord, I don't bother you about many things. I didn't say anything about being shipwrecked. I didn't cry about being beaten. I didn't whine about being left for dead. But please, God, answer this one prayer. Just take this thorn away from me because it overwhelms me. It's too much for me. It is wrecking my life. God, please, take it away. Can you understand the power of his prayer? I mean, this isn't someone praying for a parking space by the front door at the mall or to let things go good at work today. No, it's praying about what overwhelms my very soul. Lord, take this away from me. So what is it that overwhelms you? What's that thing that you're drowning? Well, that's what Paul prayed about three times. But you know, that that brings up an interesting question. Because why in the world would the apostle Paul have to pray three times about anything? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, he didn't have to pray three times to raise up the dead man who fell out of the window in Acts chapter 20. So how is it that God works so well when we pray about other people's problems? Why are we so wise with other people's dilemmas and so foolish with our own? How could Paul have the power and the courage to turn cities inside out and turn cities upside down, but yet he could not fix his own problem? Doesn't make sense, does it? And he prayed three times for God to remove this thing. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the prayers were like this. Lord, take this curse off of me so I can serve you like I want to serve you. I mean, I could serve you better if you would just fix this. God, I'd be better for you if I was better with me. Well, that's all the time we have. Come back next Sunday and I'll finish this. thirsty for more? But have you been there? Have you been there? Trying to convince God that he'd be better off if you were better off? Lord, you should want to fix this because I would be a whole lot better working for you if I didn't have this limitation. Can anyone relate? God, if you could just take this away, I would be a better mama. I'd be a better daddy. I'd be a better husband. I'd be a better wife. I'd be a better employee. God, I would be a better Christian. But this overwhelms me. So Paul, who healed the sick, he raised the dead, and he went to God on his own behalf. And he was overruled. You've all seen the court dramas. Objection, Your Honor. Overruled. Now, friend, we have the right to object, but God has the right to overrule. You have the right to complain, but he has the right to overrule. You have the right to cry, but he has the right to overrule. And the question is, can you handle no? Boy, we don't like no. We're used to having it our way. They'll fix your burger any way you want it. You can have it your way. And let me ratchet it up a notch. Because what about when you're asking and praying for something good? It's not like you're asking for gold to come out of the water fountain. It's not like you're asking for a new bright red Ferrari in your driveway. Paul's not praying out of carnality or selfishness. What do you do when you pray for something good and God still says, No, you have been overruled. great man of faith and power. Praying, Mama, you've been overruled. You counsel other couples, but your own house is in an uproar. Overruled. You have great advice for the guys at work, but you do still have that appointment with a bankruptcy attorney next week. pray and you 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 pray, but you are continually overruled. Here you go. You've got a loved one in the hospital. You've prayed, you fasted, you've anointed them with oil until they are greasier than a three-piece KFC chicken dinner. It's funny, but it's true. I've gone to visit people in the hospital, and their pillow is greasy with oil from being anointed. You're trying to believe God. You're quoting every scripture you know. You've told the nurse by faith he's going to be healed. You've told the doctor she's coming out of this, but their breath leaves their body. enemy looks at you and says, where is your God now? In my own life, I buried my mom, my dad, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, aunts and uncles. And in every case, I cried tears, begging, begging, pleading, begging God for that miracle that did not come. And like clockwork in every one of them, the devil sits right on my shoulder and screams in my ear, Where is your God? Where is he? instructions for. You know, God's an easy target. It's easy to blame God. It's easy to say that life is not fair. But I want you to know that Almighty God is just and I realize that you are being overwhelmed but even the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament was overwhelmed and he prayed 3 times about his situation to no avail. But I want to take it to a whole new level because this isn't the first time we see this threefold prayer. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 39 we see Jesus Christ himself and he prays. Uh, hey, uh, Dad, um, I know you sent me down here to do this job, and I've really done the best I could. But do um, you think we could do a revision on that contract? Uh, do you think maybe we could we could amend the document? I guess, Dad, what I'm really trying to say is, Father, let this bitter cup pass from me. Three times. Three times Jesus prays it. And Jesus finally says, nevertheless, not as I will. I mean, Jesus couldn't change the father's mind. I mean, he's the son. Paul, perhaps the greatest apostle, tried to change the father's mind, and God says, no, you've been overruled. And here's why. In verse 9, the just God who created the universe says, no, Paul, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to give you what you asked for. But but my grace is sufficient for you. Now Paul, I know that you think your plan is sufficient. I understand that you think your plan is best. But Paul, my grace is sufficient to allow the plan, the great plan that I have for your life to mature. My grace is sufficient to sustain you to bring about the greatest good. And God says, I considered my grace before I allowed that thorn to be given to you. I weighed them out. I wouldn't allow you to be attacked on this level if I hadn't given you enough grace to see you through. Let me explain it this way. The reason we can come into this building with confidence is because the steel that holds up the roof has been engineered and constructed to the specifications of a particular weight load that will accommodate the weight of this roof. Also, we wouldn't seat you on that pew if the specifications didn't verify that you can rely on that pew holding up your backside. Now, it is true that some pews have to work harder than others. That is a fact. But God said, I considered the weight load before I allowed that pain in your life. Now, I know you feel like you can't handle this. I know you feel like you're going to lose your mind, and I know that sometimes you feel like driving off a cliff. And you need to understand that in this season of your life, I am not going to stop it. I am not going to take it away. I am not going to give you what you want because my plan for your life is greater, is greater, is greater pain that you're temporarily having to endure. My grace is sufficient. So I have grace for this moment in my life. Whatever I'm facing, Christ is enough. I have grace for this situation. I don't like it, but I have grace for it. It hurts, but I have grace for it. I may cry, but I have grace for it. I have grace for the life I live and for the situations I confront and for the people I deal with in my life. And I may cry, but don't let my tears fool you because I have the promise that all my tears will be wiped away because I do have God's grace. I may not have the money for it, but I have grace for it. I may not have friends for it, but I have grace for it. I may have a child that's sick, but I have the grace to endure it. Friend, God's grace is sufficient for anything and everything that you're going through. Now, You may be thinking, come on, Mike. Really? Is that all you got? I mean, is that your answer? That's the best you can do? I want relief. I want a get out of jail free card. I want loose from this. I want to live my life pain free. promises you that is lying. You know, it's easy to stand up here and preach the promises that are in this book. It's easy to get an amen. It's easy to get a shout when you tell people that payday is tomorrow. But if you're going to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, it's quiet time when you tell people that sometimes those promises take a while. We don't like to wait. When all hell is breaking loose in my life, I go to this promise in Deuteronomy or Deuteronomo if you're a fan of Medea. Chapter 33, verse 25, as your days are, so shall your strength be. As your days are, so shall your strength be. It means the tougher the day, the greater the strength. The harder the test, the greater the power. You see, you don't use this on a good day. You've got to save this for that bad day when the devil's trying to knock your socks off. As your days are, so shall your strength be. In other words, God is saying, I measure the day before I release your strength, and I am always going to give you enough strength to get through whatever you have to face that day. And so Paul says in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in tribulation. Because I'm starting to realize that the tribulation I face is an indication of the grace I have to overcome my situation. And God wouldn't let me go through this if he hadn't qualified me to be able to handle it. So I glory in tribulation. And then verse 9 says, Therefore, most gladly most gladly i will boast i will brag about my infirmities how in the world did paul go from being overwhelmed to being to praying about it and being overruled to now being overjoyed i mean i thought i could only be overjoyed when i wasn't overruled i thought i could only be overjoyed when i got everything i wanted as embarrassing as it is, when it's as painful as it is, when it's as traumatic as it is, because God trusted you. He trusts you. You've passed enough tests that he knew you could handle this now. You can be overjoyed because he's going to show up in your life in a way that he has never, ever shown up before. And because God is going to be glorified through the circumstances that you are enduring. And yes, you may have more trouble. You may have more problems. But you're also going to have more anointing, more blessing, more wisdom, more power, more integrity, more strength, more tenacity, more drive. More of one means more of the other. Listen to me, when you see all hell breaking loose, understand that the angels are coming from every direction with God's grace just for you, just for you, and the one who is able, the one who is able is greater. Friend, you have to trust God when he says no. You have to trust God when you didn't get the promotion. You have to trust God when the house deal fell through. You have to trust God when your child rebels. You even have to trust God when you close the casket. to trust God when he says no Are you going to trust a bottle? You going to trust a needle? You going to trust a pill? There's no relief there. There is no really the only option that has any any lasting peace and security is to trust God when he says no. And it's because his no is based on a much bigger picture than we will ever understand in our present life. And because the tougher the day, the greater the grace. The tougher the times, the stronger the strength. And you can handle no. His grace is sufficient. Let me hurry. Every person who has lived any time at all on this earth has had a like-to-died moment. Man, that happened and I like-to-died. I'm not talking about when you got that pimple before your senior prom. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that time when life punched you in the gut so hard that you thought you would never get your breath back. Now, you can get self-help at the bookstore. Hey, Sometimes, though, self can't help self. You can get motivation from the motivationalist, but sometimes you can't motivate when you need a miracle. You can get socialization at the club or the sorority or the Elks Lodge, but they're not going to pray for you. But now, here at church, we do socialize, but it's more than that. We do motivate, but it's more than motivation. We do encourage, but it's more than encouragement. What you receive here that is unique is food for the soul. It is fight for the fighter, it is seed for the sower, it is bread for the hungry. And I say to you who are at the end of your rope, if you can just get to the word of God, if you can find that of word down in your heart, you can tie a knot in the end of your rope and hold on because God's grace will see you through if you will not quit. You will win. Whatever you need. Let me close by asking for something that's really hard to get from church people. Don't worry, I'm not taking another offering. Well, <laughs> I saw 30 people go like this, <laughs> grab their wallet, clutch their purse. <laughs> Hard to get from church people. I'm going to tell you why. It's because we feel such an obligation as believers in Christ that we have to have it all together. We think we have this responsibility to act like everything is just fine even though our pants are on fire. Hello? And so we smile. How are you? Just fine. Praise God. Everything going okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. One of the hardest things to get from church people is honesty. Honesty. I've been around church people my whole life. You can get them to work. You can get them to serve. Hey, you can even get them to give you can get them to do almost anything except admit that something is overwhelming me. Something has taken the wind out of my sail. Something has punched me in the gut, and I don't know if I can breathe. And and there's no malice there because I think we believe that it will make God look bad if we're not on top of the world. And we sure don't want to make God look bad, so we smile while our house burns down all around us. Honesty is sometimes hard. Right now, I want to talk to people who like to die. I want to talk to you who, who are overwhelmed. I want to speak to you who have been overruled. I want to talk to those who have wondered where God is in their life. Those who say, God, can't you hear me screaming? Don't you know I'm drowning? It seems like my life is so unfair, and I just can't deal with everything I'm facing. I mean, there is a thousand different ways to express it, but it's the same feeling. It's the feeling that God has abandoned us. He's left us on our own kicked us to the curb. Now, friend, I'd love to tell you that if you come to this altar, when you leave or by the time you get home, God will have fixed your situation. I'd love to tell you that. I'd love to tell you that if you had just come to this altar, that you're going to be happily married or that your child will be well or that the cancer test is going to come back negative. I so truly want to tell you that because I've seen God do all of that over and over again. Not every time. Not every time. So what do we do when we have to handle no? How do we find the strength when all hell is breaking loose in our life? I hope you feel my heart because I've come to preach hope today. Because God wants you to know that His grace is sufficient. God wants you to know that you can draw on Him and get what you need to get through every day of your life. God wants you to know that He will not allow the enemy to send anything into your life that is stronger than His power is in your life. If you get nothing else that I've said today, remember this. God will not allow anything into your life that is stronger than His power is in your life. God wants you to know that when you cried out in the middle of the night, He heard you. God wants you to know that He cares about you, and His grace is sufficient for every test and every tear and every storm in your life. His grace is sufficient for what overwhelms you. Stand with me, if you would, please. Altar workers, elders, would you come and take your place around this altar? Now, the singers are going to create an atmosphere of worship. And my altar call is really very, very simple. But it does require honesty. I'm not going to make a big plea. I'm not going to make a big pull. But if you need God to minister to your life and minister in your life, these altars are open. Come on. Step out. Step out from where you are. God has something special for you. And if you need something from Him today, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. If life is buffeting you, if you have sickness attacking you, whatever you need in your life, these are the most wonderful people you will ever meet. And they would love to pray with you. And you need to understand that you don't have to do this alone. You're not by yourself. If you're here today and you have sin in your life, God wants to forgive you. Jesus Christ died on the cross just for you. And just like Satan planted himself on my shoulder asking me where God is, Satan right now is screaming into your, every eye is looking at you. How can you go to the altar? What will people think? But I want you to know we come to God through faith. And faith is taking that first step. And God will meet you and carry you the rest of the way. So again, do you need prayer? You don't have to face it by yourself. God is here. The church is here. And we want to minister to you. Everybody good? Amen. Glory. Are you sure? He's got a special thing for you. He's got a special thing for you. But he's not going to force it on you. Not gonna force you. you You've gotta come by your own choice. Anyone else? As we're dismissed, let me let me close with this prayer if I could. Heavenly Father. mm, For that one who's at the end of their ropes. God, I pray that you would increase their strength today. Father, you gave me this message for a reason. For a reason. There is someone here who needs to cling to this rhema word. Increase their strength, God. For that one who's about to faint, Lord, nourish them. Lord, revive their faith right now. God, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the darkness. I rebuke depression. I rebuke frustration. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. The power of God is in this room. It surrounds us today. God be glorified. I release God's power in the name of Jesus. We will not faint. We will not quit. We will not cave in. We will stand because we trust you today, God, even when we don't understand what we're facing. Manifest your words in our heart today, Lord. And thank you for your grace that is sufficient for this day and everything we face. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.